0: You're listening to NASA in Silicon Valley, Episode 89. This week, our guest is Robin Aub-Warren, the Director of Center Operations here at NASA Ames. In this conversation, we talk about our Disaster Assistance and Rescue Team, or DART, their emergency response activities, and the 30th anniversary that was last Saturday, April 28, 2018. We also chat about what it means to direct the various areas of Center Operations here at NASA in Silicon Valley. Now, let's get right to our conversation with Robin Aub-Warren.
1: Robin, we always started off the same way, with the same question, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, How did you get to NASA? How did you end up in Silicon Valley?
0: I would say that uh, it started with uh, me being in the military. So mm-hmm. I was uh, an Army officer stationed at Fort Bragg. I was a paratrooper. And when I got off of active duty, I didn't have very many marketable skills. My uh, <laughs> undergraduate degree was in French, and I had been a military police officer. In the Army, and so um, after a couple of uh, not-so-great jobs, I got a job with Department of Veterans Affairs as a GS-4 police officer. Okay. And within a little less than two years, I became a police chief, and I did that for a number of years in the VA, about 15 years. And then I moved up into management and became an associate director of uh, two different VA hospitals. And then I became a senior executive and was a director of a hospital in the VA. And so I applied to NASA, never thinking that they would actually hire me, and was uh, very pleasantly surprised when I came on board. And I've been absolutely thrilled to be here ever since I came on board. Uh, that was about a year and a half ago.
1: And so I think like, we do these conversations a lot, but oftentimes I think you, we're at a different advantage because like, this isn't the first time Robin and I are hanging out talking. No. It's like, we work together, but it's like, you're literally my neighbor. <laughs> she <laughs> made true. me a birthday cake. <laughs>
0: Well, my daughter did. Your daughter yes. made me a birthday cake. I, I brought
1: it over. So so it's not like we haven't hung out and talked quite a bit. But it's like typically we do these conversations and, you know, it's always there it tends to be a lot of, you know, scientists and engineers and researchers and they're all talking about their PhDs and different things. But um, you're kind of in this different realm, similar to myself, of like mission support. So it's less, you know, rocket science, but it's more logistics. And I'd imagine like just in the federal government bureaucracy, there's some analogs between, you know, working in the VA, working in the military and then coming to NASA different skills.
0: Very much so. It was surprising to me when I actually applied for the job that um, I had done much of what I currently do as an associate director in the VA
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, outside of uh, aviation operations. I never had to do that in the the (laughs) VA at all. Um, But procurement, logistics, police, fire, the um, procurement I had done in the VA. So um, environmental management a little bit but not to the the level that I do it here, mm-hmm. but essentially it's um, the same job, but to a very different degree. So, doing it in a hospital was on a much smaller scale. The you know even though um, some of the medical centers had you know three hundred five hundred acres, it, it was um, very much just specific to uh, medical care. Yeah. And so coming to NASA, it's all these amazing things that I had no idea NASA even does um, so there was a huge learning curve for me um, to learn about what NASA does but to to enable those missions it's yeah. essentially the same and you know you have great staff that were already here so it made it much easier for me
1: well no, I, I think that has to be a little bit of the case you know throughout the federal government because people have to do procurement people have to buy things people have to work in buildings they have to you know there's just a basic logistics and you ideally you probably don't want your scientists having to worry about like what kind of carpet or paint or or you know repainting the parking lot stripes you know random things like that
0: the biggest challenge for me was in uh, va that it's all civil servants. Mm-hmm. So coming to NASA and finding out that it's only about a third civil servants yeah. and two-thirds contracting, that makes it a lot more challenging on mm-hmm. how to accomplish the work sometimes, making sure that that task is in the contract and how it's funded and all those things. Um, but, yes, it is essentially the same. You know, our center here at Ames and uh, most of the centers that I were, was at in the VA are older. You know, um, mm-hmm. the government has a lot of property and facilities that are, are very old. We're coming up on our 80th anniversary here, and 10 years ago, I was at a center that was over 80. Okay. So, you know, it's very, very difficult to maintain that infrastructure. Aging infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And so, for folks who aren't fully aware, talk a little bit about, like, you know, what is your current role, your your job, you know, your title? Let everybody know how fancy Robin is.
0: Oh, yeah, real fancy. Um, So I'm the director of center operations, and so I supervise seven branches, acquisitions, facilities, and real property.
1: This would be the challenge. Can you do it off the top of your head? No, I have it written down. I have
0: my cheat sheet, because I always forget somebody, and then they feel badly. Um, Protective services, um, aviation operations, logistics and documentation, environmental management, and then the Ames Exchange. Um, so, all of those are very different. Um, you know, yeah. they're, not, they're not very similar in many respects. Uh, luckily, as I said earlier, they're headed by some really uh, fabulous people who've been doing their jobs for a long time. You know, Acquisitions is all the, the contracts that we do for yeah. the uh, center, and that's you know, because we have so many contracted staff, um, I mean, there's millions and millions of dollars worth of contracts and it's a very time consuming process, very challenging. And there's, you know, small business goals that we have to support small businesses. And um, so it can be uh, somewhat challenging and you have to work with the end user and stuff. Um, So, you know, that's similar to to what we had to do in the VA.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, The uh, facility's real property that can be, again, very much challenging because of the aging infrastructure. Um, we actually have a new building being built now, which is our first in several years. Yeah, uh, this
1: is the the, the space, the, the- The lab building. The bioscience lab, yes. yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, so that's exciting to be part of that and to um, prepare for our master planning. So that's something that uh, they had done just before I got here. I got to see the presentation and now I'm responsible to help us implement that. Um, looking at where what we want to look like in twenty
1: years. So is that normal? Comparing like other NASA centers. I mean, there's like ten NASA centers. Are the people like your counterparts? Is this kind of a similar jobs even in Johnson or in Kennedy or?
0: I think they're similar. Um, how they're made up is uh, slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, Every day is exciting. I mean, I just absolutely love my job. I've been able to uh, go out with the fire department and uh, use some of the uh, apparatus to put out fires on aircraft because they have to certify every year on that. So um, they took me out there. I've been able to uh, go out and visit the DART site and watch the training out there. I've really had the opportunity to work with not only my own divisions, but just go out and see what we do. I, you know, one of the first things I did was to go out and to tour, um, mm-hmm. so I can understand what we do, so I can support it better. And you know, I had no idea we were doing all this stuff with uh, traffic control, and um, you know, I got to uh, fly the seven forty seven simulator and oh, yeah, in crash the in, into the bay trying to <laughs> land at uh, San Francisco Airport. And, um, haven't been able to actually ride in the vertical motion simulator. Oh yet. You I'm done looking that one yet. forward to that. Um, but yeah, there's just really such amazing things that I get to
1: support and help. So I'm curious as to like I'm sure most people who. You know, they think of NASA, they're thinking of rockets, they're thinking of astronauts for people who are really in the weeds can think of like aviation, aeronautics and stuff. But I'm curious, like talk a little bit about, um, you know, for you for, like being a, a former police officer and we have police here in a fire department. Is that normal at NASA centers? I don't know if people realize that there's like little fire departments like just for a NASA center or for Moffat Field. Talk about that. Yeah.
0: So every uh, NASA center has police. So that mm-hmm. that's standard. Um, fire department is handled differently at, at different centers. So some have their own department. Some use local fire departments. Um, okay. And a lot of it has to do with jurisdiction. Um, how the jurisdiction has been given to the federal government. If it's okay concurrent or if it's um, exclusive or proprietor
1: is it does the federal government have to provide services or does the local community like counties or municipalities whatever
0: and so you know as we are growing aims and um, doing things differently we're looking at that ourselves what's the right way to handle it and so because we have an airfield we have to have airfield rescue available okay And so they have um, requirements. They have to have water on the aircraft within four minutes from a crash. Um, And they have to get certified by that annually by an outside group. And so that was some of the training that I got to go and uh, participate with.
1: Oh, I guess that makes sense because it's not like every NASA center has an airfield, you know, but I'm I'm assuming the ones that do, in a lot of ways, you have to operate the same way as like as an airport would. Yes, so you either have
0: to do that with the uh, city or the the county that the the center is at, or you have to provide it yourself. So a lot of it would depend on how quickly they can get there, what the the county or the city is willing to provide.
1: One thing that you'd mentioned, and I wanted to get a little bit more in in detail, you'd mentioned DART teams, and I mean, I'm familiar with DART. Tell me if I get the acronym right. It's like disaster assistance reaction or rescue Re- team. Because you know, in my previous job when I was at the State Department, I I worked in Port-au-Prince, Haiti after the earthquake in Haiti. So I was very familiar with DART teams. These are the search and rescue operations that you know, when an earthquake happens and you. Yeah, go rescue people. Having a federal entity like that in the Bay, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, obviously makes sense because, like, you know, being so earthquake prone. But I was kind of surprised as I got here that, you know, having a DART team like at NASA, and FEMA also has somewhat of a presence. So is that unique to NASA centers? Is that a thing special to us? And what exactly, how is that involved in, you know, NASA's mission and all that stuff?
0: I think that it's probably unique to us. It yeah. was something that, um, This is our 30th anniversary, and so the way that it's been explained to me is Bob Dolce, who was the um, previous Protective Services uh, Director, about 30 years ago felt that there was this need to be able to respond, and he just started um, getting volunteers and finding equipment, and if a shed that was going to get torn down, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, we could use that, (laughs) and um, just, you know, I think I, I would say, you know, beg, borrow, steal, but I I'm pretty confident they didn't steal anything. Yes. But a lot of begging and borrowing and donations and kind of a grassroots effort that started it. And it's now become very mainstream and they have responded to some very significant events. They responded to Oklahoma City bombing, mm-hmm. to the World Trade Centers, to um, Hurricane Iniki in Hawaii, the Loma Prieta earthquake here. And they do amazing uh, training and drills. They have uh, a collapse structure rescue program that I got to uh, go to the training last year. And what really amazed me the most about that is it's a very intensive program, about uh, six full 10-hour days or more, where they actually learn how to brace and cut through cement. Mm -hmm. And they do um, medical training and these other things. And a lot of the instructors are former students who come on their own time they take their leave from their jobs they pay their own way they get they don't get compensated in any way mm-hmm. other than sharing knowledge with other people to save lives and you know when i when i found that out after meeting these instructors i was so impressed that you know i mean most people are like well, you know i want to go to the beach i want to do this so i want <laughs> to spend the time with my family and they're coming here to train other people and Um, It's something that isn't advertised, but by word of mouth being such excellent training, we've had people, I think we had two people come from South America. We've had people come from the East Coast, and uh, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Because
1: it's not just a team that is available to get together and respond. This is training and practicing.
0: Yeah, it's really intense. I mean, to go out and to watch them. I mean, it's hot. It's yeah. Dirty. It's long I got a chance hours. to go walk
1: over it. Make sure you have like working boots on. You're climbing over rubble. There's buildings. Oh, it's crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. They have um, towers that are hollow inside where they can practice rescuing people as if they were in mines. They have rubble piles that they cut through and, and move through. Um, I mean, it's just really intense and they do a lot of training. So Ames has been very supportive of it. Staff can uh, participate, they can volunteer, they have to. Um, do some things to you know get medically cleared and all these other things, but um, they can give up to 10% of their work time to oh, really? to work on on dart activities.
1: Yeah, so folks, if you're in the area, if you're in the Bay Area, there's a little pro tip. There's the, the Stevens Creek Trail. If you get in, it's near the. The I-85 on-ramp, there's a Stevens Creek Trail, and if you walk on that, and there's a bunch of bikes and pedestrians and people walking their dogs, you take it almost all the way down to the bay, and on that walk, on just off to your right, you can see the structure.
0: Exactly. It looks like a half-built building, yeah. or, or it's been partially demolished, and it's actually intended to look that way. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, so that they can go and reconfigure to do different trainings, and then they have an old aircraft. I was going to say, there's an
1: airplane. There is.
0: Um, where they can practice um, taking foam and and breaking into the aircraft if they had to rescue people. They have a training hall. Um, They have Zodiac boats. They go out and do training on the bay if they had to do rescues on the bay. Uh, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing, and I had no clue whatsoever that NASA and Ames offers that. And so, for us being in an earthquake-prone area, it's huge for our staff to know that we have trained people that could be working on rescuing us immediately.
1: Well, especially as you talked about, like living in old infrastructure. I mean, Ames used to be a, a, a former um, naval facility, and so some of these are older buildings. I sleep a little bit better at night knowing that if something, if the earthquake was to happen, that the response team is just right behind us.
0: That's right. So, um, yeah, Ames itself was the old NACA. And. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Moffett Field was the old Navy base, and that had the airfield. And uh, it's what we call not behind the black fence. So it's the okay. Mission style buildings, um, the old uh, World War II era clapboard sided. You know, the the AIM side, the NASA side is more of the cement and the uh, brick okay side um but yeah it's um it's very difficult to maintain
1: so yeah i mean you were saying it's been 30 years since they just started this training and put these teams together
0: yeah so this is their 30th anniversary i'm very excited because i want us to um, show our appreciation so every year they celebrate but i think it's time for us to recognize this the sacrifices that they've made to continue to do these things
1: so robin talk a little bit more about you know some of the, like like innovations or new things that you guys are working on because I mean, obviously you have this like aging infrastructure there's different unique challenges even bureaucratically you know within the federal government so talk about some of the things that you guys are working on looking forward
0: so one of the things that I was excited to um, spend some time on when we got, when I got here was to look at lean training. And so, um, okay, what does
1: that mean? What's lean training
0: lean? Um, it sounds like it, an
1: acronym. Are we looking at a crazy acronym? It is not an acronym as far okay. as I know.
0: Um, it comes from, uh, you know, Toyota industries. Uh, they okay. came out and it, it really had to do with manufacturing, how to do it better, but the Lean actually works in so many different things, and so I got involved with it in VA. And you know, you'd think it doesn't work in healthcare, and yet it truly does. Okay. But Lean really works on two principles: it's respect for people and continuous improvement. And um, respect for, for people is you eliminate waste by not asking people to do things that add no value and not squandering resources. Okay. Um, and as a, a federal agency, you know, we constantly are are looking at our budget and you know. Sometimes diminishing budgets and mm-hmm. challenges associated with that, and so really what that does is teaches the staff the skills necessary to look at processes to really identify where there's wasted effort. Um, it could okay. be in steps that add no value. It could be on um, you know how we organize things, uh, you know, physically organize so that you're not spending a lot of time going back and forth, Locking being back. inefficient, um, and so. Um, it's really change, trying to change the discussion points and the, the culture to look at things differently. I constantly ask my staff, what am I asking you to do that adds no value? Is there a form that you're filling mm-hmm. out that just doesn't make sense? Or is there something that you're asking yourself, why do we do this? <laughs> if there's not a good reason why yeah. and it's within my purview to stop it, then let's do that. If it's you know outside of my purview, then let's challenge it. You know, we've got to constantly look at doing things differently and making it more efficient because we're going to have less resources. We're going to have less staff, so we can't do things the same way and expect the same outcomes. We have got to do it differently.
1: And so it's almost a matter of like questioning everything. I mean, I think we. I think anybody who's been in a a big organization whether it's a government or a big company anytime where there's a bureaucracy you always have that moment of like why am i doing this and sometimes it's like well that's how we've always done it or some somebody made a mistake and did a bad thing and therefore there's a new bureaucratic form you have to fill out from a, then on exactly so,
0: it's very frustrating and i think sometimes people get in order to that's just the way we've always done it yeah for us it you know it's that it's working on employee morale it's um We've got a lot more people teleworking than we've had before. We hire people who live -hmm. in other places because it's been so difficult to um, keep folks with the cost of living in the area. So in some of our roles that you don't actually have to be on station, we're allowing that. So,
1: Offering that flexibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, getting folks to um, just have wild ideas and let's brainstorm. Let's see what we can do.
1: Yeah. It's just a matter of like questioning how things are done. You're not like, like stopping anything, but just kind of—is there a more efficient, better way to do things? It's yeah, just keeping th- that open mind. And
0: I think asking why—you know—I mean, it sounds like a three-year-old sometimes. Why? <laughs> why? But you have to because sometimes we—that's just the way we've always done it, and that shouldn't be a reason why we ever do anything.
1: It, it, it so, should be a value. So talk a little bit about some of the exposure you've had. I mean obviously working at NASA is different from working in healthcare. It's different from working, you know, in the military. So what has been some of the things that have like like surprised you or cool things that you get to get to see, things that are impressing you, stuff.
0: Oh my god. I mean the the cool stuff just goes on and on and on, you know. I think if I had had some of the folks that work here teaching me when I was younger, I would have had a, you know, science is just amazing. And yet, you know, in high school and in elementary school, it was something that, you know, I just didn't really have an interest in because nobody made it interesting. Yeah, And I remember coming here for my in-person interview and I got to do a tour and go to the fluid dynamic, the fluid uh, dynamic lab. And, you know i'm putting a plastic tube in my ear to hear how molecules sound when they vibrate because they're closer to a surface um, Mm -hmm. versus when it's in the middle of um, the area that you're listening to and it's like wow nobody ever you know nobody ever did that i that's so cool and to watch how water flows over objects and you know to go to the arc jet and to see you know we heat things up to you know temperatures, Plasma, yeah, like, you know over four thousand degrees, and you know it's like, oh my god, this is so cool. Um, and there's you know, every time I turn around, there's something else that I had no idea about that is just amazing.
1: Well, and it's very fitting for your job, especially considering the arc jet. You get the you know, wind tunnels, the vertical motion, all of these, you know, infrastructure type things. You know, the huge part of your job is to. Keep them up and running, keeping those buildings moving so that the people who are doing the science and the research can focus on doing the science and research.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're so disconnected from it. But I think it's really important for us in Code J to understand. And we just recently sat down and worked out our mission statement. And, you know, it's all about enabling those missions, you know, the science, the technology you know the supercomputing. You know all of those things are the things that we have to make sure operate for them to do their job. So without us, they wouldn't be able to do it, and NASA wouldn't be able to do the cool things. So you know while we don't often do the cool things ourselves, although um, recently we were asked to uh, help with um, looking at habitats um, for yeah. our astronauts to live and work in in the future on Mars or you know along the way, and so um, try to use some of the ideas that they're conceptualizing in our buildings so mm-hmm. we can test it and i know my staff were looking at me like oh, come on robin this is just more work i'm like how freaking cool is this <laughs> that we get to uh, you know do something that an astronaut will benefit from you know totally. i mean we actually get to help a mission you know so um i think i bring a uh, And excitement. Yeah, a sense of awe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because this is so new and interesting to me where, you know, folks who have been at NASA for 25, 30 years in mission support are kind of like, yeah, that's what we do. No, that's that's amazing. That's what we do. You know, so um, I'm hoping that a lot of my folks uh, get reinvigorated by some of the stuff that we can do. And the passion that, you know, we can bring to it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, I, feel, I definitely feel it in the same way of, you know, being somebody from the outside in of like, you know, I, I love foreign policy. I was always fascinated by it. But it's just a different level coming to NASA and you're looking at these just like bigger picture type things. It's just fascinating. And, it's, and I think it's also beneficial to the agency to have somebody who, you know, comes from a different perspective, you know, whether it's healthcare. you know, just looking at the bureaucracy in a different way.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure a whole lot of VA folks are, are going <laughs> to head over here, but I think they should. You're it's, paving um, away. Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, um, the things that we do are just absolutely incredible. And, you know, every day I find out something new. I love coming to work. It's just been an amazing experience and so glad that, you know, when I finally retire that I ended on such a high note. You know? <laughs> Excellent
1: so for folks who are listening if you have any questions we are at NASA Ames and we use the hashtag NASA in Silicon Valley so feel free if you have any questions for Robin oh boy (laughs) send us questions comments um, anything also as a reminder we are a NASA podcast but we are not the only NASA podcast Uh, you can also check out out of the Johnson Space Center they have Houston we have a podcast and over at headquarters they have gravity assist they have another one called this week at NASA if you're into music they have a thing called third rock radio so you can catch us on any of the social media platforms on nasa.gov um, but also can grab us at on the nasa app that's our ios and android but robin this has been way fun thanks for coming over Always oh, been awesome thanks